time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Christine Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is episode number 16 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens! We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. Every day, and we kiss them too. Don't forget. <laughs> we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. What kind of coffee are we brewing today, Holly Ann? Colombian. Colombian. <laughs> it's good coffee. It's good. It gets us some energy, that's for sure. That's what it gets us. So if you love great coffee, scones and baked goods and your local head on over to coffee coffee you will not be disappointed so mid-march here we are yeah here we are here we are another week mm-hmm. we have those babies babies oh my goodness babies are beyond cute they really are but they are work yes they are that's okay but they're lovable and great work they're so cute i just forgot the cuteness factor i mean they're just so precious. Everything they do. Every year, walking around with a chick stuck in your shirt is the best feeling ever. I like to watch them playing. You know, they jump up, you know, oh, yeah. pretend to spar with each other. They're still so tiny. It's so cute. I love watching them at night when they just kind of stretch out. <laughs> <laughs> they're like their little tiny bodies and they're so warm and they're like, oh, let's all go to sleep and lay on one another. They're the cutest. This is why Fiona's segment with us is dangerous. Oh, yeah. I just want babies all the time. Yeah. Babies, babies, babies. We're talking chicks here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I've been excited about is we're feeding that grower feed. You know where we get it from. The Iowa Blue grower feed. And yeah. it's fantastic. Just as good as the layer food. Let me take a minute here mm-hmm. and tell you about Iowa Blue Farm. It is a woman-owned, family-run, all-natural chicken tree company. And it's in the Midwest. It's in America. And we love supporting those women-owned businesses. 1,000% support of the women-owned businesses. And they make 100% all-American oven-dried black soldier fly grubs for all types of poultry. If you have quail, turkey, ducks. Pheasants. Pheasants, peacocks. Mm -hmm. Any of these you can feed. They're very high concentration of calcium and protein per bite of them. And... You will not be disappointed with us. No, my chickens go absolutely crazy for them. They see the blue bag. They come shrieking across the yard. If you want to see how mine devour them, you can look on our stories on our Instagram page. And I have videos of them devouring these treats. (laughs) At Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Yeah, they love them. Definitely. And let's talk about the all-organic feed that Iowa Blue make. Yes, which we feed both our babies Mm -hmm. and our older girls. It is amazing. We have a video up on our Instagram page where we opened up the bag and show you Mm -hmm. what this feed looks like. Low dust. It's top quality. It's not dusty at all. It's fresh grains. It's chock full of vitamins and minerals. And my chickens go insane for it. My chickens love it. It's like the the beaks are a blur. They're eating so fast. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh my God, are you giving us another treat? And for real, it's It's their food. food, Yeah. So if you have not yet, go over to their website. Check it out. And we have a good thing going here because if you go over there and you find something that you like, go in under the coupon code and put in COFFEE, all caps, 25, and you receive 25% off your very first purchase. 
site-wide. That's a fantastic value. That is a fantastic value. It's awesome to try something when you're given a discount like that. Mm -hmm. You will not regret trying these treats or the food. It's top quality They're stuff. They're baked with love always. Shipped with care. And oh, shipping's always free. So now that we have all the babies, the big girls, everybody fed, mm -hmm. time to move on. How have you been? How are your babies been? Oh, they're great. They're great. I, I spend a lot of time watching them. I know, they're so, it's so cute. good. So we're going to be, again, talking with Fiona later in this mm -hmm. episode. And when we're going to get ready to move on to our da, 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 breed spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the breed spotlight. So we're going to talk about today a chicken that Fiona our international correspondent has at her farm in England. Yes. This is a very, very old, very beautiful, and very rare breed of chicken. Go ahead. What kind? It is the Old English Pheasant Fowl. I did not really know anything about this chicken until we met Fiona. We've been talking chickens with Fiona mm -hmm. all the time, and she has them. Yeah. And then you look them up. Do yourself a favor. Look this chicken up. Yeah. You can go to Fiona's YouTube channel, English Country Life, that she and her husband have, and you can find some video of them there. You can find videos. If you just Google pictures, too. Yeah. They're really, really beautiful chickens. And again, they're they're an ancient breed. They were probably brought to England by the Romans. They kind of are the definition of their name, mm -hmm. Old English Pheasant Right. Fowl. So they were most likely developed, again, their forebears brought from the Romans. They probably developed in the north of England around Yorkshire and Lancashire. Right. They've been around for several hundred years, as we said, but they were under a few different names. Okay. Um, sometimes they were called the golden pheasant. There were a couple of others that I can't think of off the top of my head. You know, one thing that strikes me is that they're named Old English Pheasant Fowl. Right. Because they look like right. a pheasant. Right, right. But by every standard, they are a chicken. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely chickens. They were given this name around 1914. Right. And the reason that they were called pheasants is because their feather patterns are similar to the feather patterns of wild English pheasants. The feather patterns, if you look at pictures and you go to Fiona's YouTube channel, English Country Life, mm -hmm. and you check out the videos, are gorgeous. Yeah, the feathers are beautiful. Dark brown feather. They have these black edges. They're really, really pretty birds. They're mm -hmm. smaller. Yeah, they're a light breed. They have a very large and elaborate rose comb. Oh my goodness. It's one of the first things you notice. It's very striking. As soon as you look at them, that's where your eye goes. Yeah. Besides the striking feathers. Right. And the hackle feathers themselves are gorgeous. With yeah, that they're kind of They have a green tinge mm -hmm. to them, mm -hmm. the darkness. But that comb is gorgeous. It is remarkable. They have white earlobes, which also stand out. Yes. I mean, like the silkies <laughs> with, <laughs> with the turquoise. Yeah. yeah. And then you have these girls who have all these beautiful colors, this beautiful comb. It almost looks like they're like decked out. That's right. They're wearing their pearl earrings. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're really fancy. They also have slate colored legs and feet. Oh, yeah. And this bird comes in two different colors, the gold and the silver. But the silver are, are rare. You, okay. You're generally seeing the gold. The British Poultry Club classes them as a light breed. And as we said, they're definitely on the smaller side. They're smaller, so they might not eat as much feed for you, but they can still maintain their body. Sure. Now, the other thing is, as like heritage breeds, older breeds, mm -hmm. they're going to let start laying a little later. A little later, right. At seven months. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to get a chicken that lays pretty early, this, this one isn't. No. They're very active. And they're yeah. great foragers. Really, really good foragers. Not crazy about being confined. Right. Good layers. Medium-sized white egg. 
Right. You probably have to keep an eye on where they lay because, as we said, they like to forage. I was going to say, hence the white earlobe also. That is the first key for everyone to think. When you see a white earlobe, mm-hmm. it generally means a white egg's coming out. Right. And like you said, they love to fly. They will roost in trees if you let them. Oh, my. Yeah. And they will also go broody and they're supposed to be good mamas. That's awesome. That just makes me think of your Egyptian Fayumis. Yeah, the flying and wanting to roost in trees, yes. And how much fun that's going to be as they get older. They are. This is totally off topic, but they are the cutest babies. The rarest color. They're so cute. They're so adorbs. Yeah, they're, yes, they're adorbs. <laughs> so according to the Rare Breed Survival Trust, the Oldermish pheasant fowl were quite popular with smallholders. In the U.S., that's what we would call homesteaders. Exactly. They were very popular with smallholders up until about the 1950s. And then we know the 50s started industrialism, basically. All the way up The end of there. the Second World War really exactly. pushed industrialism. So this bird is not good in industrial settings. No, no. It was never used they, in industrial settings for probably obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. They lay late. They are not good in confinement. No. And they're good egg layers, but yep. they're not like a leghorn or exactly. something like that. Not super prolific. Bird right? Island Red. That's going to really give you a ton of eggs. So yeah. they fell off. Right. Which is sad because if you look at pictures of this bird and how gorgeous this they bird is. They really are beautiful chickens. It's really, really sad. So they're kind of making a mini comeback. I think organizations like the Rare Breed Survival Trust and our, our Livestock Conservancy really do a lot to bring attention to these breeds and offer they're on resources. They're the endangered list though, right? right? Yeah. So. And offer resources for people who are trying to get them or people who are currently raising them. Right. Yeah. I know that Fiona loves hers. Yes. Dearly. Yeah. She loves them to death. She loves their personalities uh-huh. and everything about them. Yeah. And over in England, a lot more people are getting them. Yes. And so the big question is, can you get them here in the U.S.? That is the big question. And you did some research for uh-huh. us. And what did you find out? That maybe soon you can. Ta-da! So apparently Green Fire Farm has imported a pair of Old English pheasant fowl. Wow. And they do note on their website that they'll be available in 2021. Now, you know how things go with chickens. So yeah. I would keep an eye on their website. Realistically, I would kind of not get your hopes up until 2022. That's the way I felt too. But keep an eye on their website because, you know, maybe they surprise us. Maybe. And they'll have some babies maybe available before we know it. Yeah. So keep looking over how there. How amazing would that be? Yeah. They're just beautiful. Yeah, beautiful I'm chickens. looking at pictures of them as we talk about them. And their little eyes. This is one thing. This is a little bit off subject, but not. But chicken eyes are just, they look right through you. They are. They do. I look at my babies and I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, like Gertie, number one. Uh-huh. Like I look in those eyes and that little brain is going a mile a minute. And, yeah. And this chicken has that eye that looks right through you. I look at those chickens and I think that that is an intelligent chicken. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of trying yeah, to say. Uh-huh. Like, it looks like they're looking through your soul almost. Like, oh, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> so keep an eye on that website through the Green Fire Farm. And watch out if you visit Green Fire Farm's website. Because if you're anything like us, you'll come away with a list of 20 chickens that you have to yeah, have. Yeah, we want all the chickens. All of the chickens. This will be on our list soon. We'll be like, oh. We have to go see Fiona and then sneak some back with us. Yeah. So speaking of Miss Fiona. Fiona has a YouTube channel. English Country Life. English Country Life. Her and her husband. And it is excellent. If you want to go in there and look at videos, everything that we talk about with her 
She has a video for her over there. Yeah, and their their videos are one, they're beautiful. Oh my goodness. And it's essentially the British version of all kinds of homesteading things. We would call homesteading, but yes. you know, making wine, growing your own food, yes. the chickens. It's, it's I very spend interesting hours watching the beautiful videos. And her chickens are beyond gorgeous. Yeah. So, you know, treat yourself, go ahead over to YouTube and subscribe to English Country Life. Absolutely. So we're gonna bring in Fiona from across the pond to have some coffee and talk with us. This one was really interesting it's to fun, us. yes. And we're going to talk the differences of U.S. versus U.K. in chicken keeping. And believe it or not, there are some differences. So it's time that we're going to go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Hey, Fiona, how are you doing Hi. today? I'm doing really well. How are you? We're doing well. We're hanging in there. We have snow just like you do. Not fun at all. You say that, but our temperatures have gone up by 10 degrees Celsius today. Nice. nice. I'm jealous. I know. Jealous. It's fantastic. Yes. We have no melting at all. We've had six inches of snow on the ground for weeks now. Weeks. Oh, good grief. And then ice mm-hmm. on top. Ice on top. Never fun. Blah. So we were just talking about something fun. We were just talking about the Old English pheasant fowl, which we know that you have. Yes. And they're beautiful little birds. Can you tell us what's your favorite thing about them? Well, can I pick two? Of course. Of course. Well, the the breed as a whole are incredibly intelligent. They are amazing. But you know I keep Orpingtons as well. Yes. Yes. We have treadle feeders, and it took a week to teach an Orpington how to use a treadle feeder. <laughs> it took less than 24 hours to teach one of the old English pheasant fowl. They're oh, amazing. Easy. So they're highly intelligent and they're yep. easily they're easy to train, which is awesome. Very, very easy to train. Uh, and they live, I think I mentioned to you that the cream leg bars live life at 100 miles an hour. Well, yes. the old English pheasant fowl live life at 1,000 miles an hour. They're like little roadrunners. They're amazing. <laughs> they do need a lot of room. That's the only thing. Okay, so they're one that likes to free range. Are they good at free ranging? Can they, you know, get bugs? foragers? Foragers. Oh, yes. Yes. And there's there's always something that they're urgently trying to get to. Always. Whether that's (laughs) vertically or horizontally, because they are fantastic at jumping and gaining height as well. We did find three of them in a tree one night, 30 foot up. up. That's what I was going to ask. So what did you do? Got a ladder. Oh, man. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> oh, no. Do you have both hens and cockerels? We did have, but um, we actually sold the we, we sold a number of the hens and the two cockerels, basically because we only keep uh, cockerels for the Orpingtons, and that means that we can run all of the chickens together. Okay. Because all of our chicken breeds lay different coloured eggs, mm-hmm. we always know that the Orpington coloured eggs are pure breed Orpingtons because we only have an Orpington cockerel. Okay. Nice. I would love to have kept the cockles for the old English pheasant fowl because they were absolutely gorgeous. But as soon as they started to mature, they had to go. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, we get it. It's a breeding program. Yeah, definitely. You need to know who your baby daddies are. Okay, so what but the second to... thing I really liked yes. was that I've got three called um, the cheesy chicks. <laughs> the cheesy chicks. That's now so this cute. is this is what happens when you get your Twitter followers to have a competition and name your chickens. Oh. 
<laughs> and I have to say, it really struck me when one of them suggested the cheesy chicks and we had halloumi, brie and gouda. Oh, perfect. Oh, wow. That's what we've got. That's so cute. Yeah. We're good cheeses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Good chickens. The cheesy yes. chicks. It's like you can call them like I call the Cuckoo Morans the stepsisters. I'm like, get over here. You're going to call them all <laughs> the cheesy girls. Cheesy chicks. Are they good layers? They are incredibly good layers. Their eggs are very slightly smaller than the larger breeds, but only very slightly. Where the larger breeds are averaging out, out about uh, 58 or 59 grams, theirs are averaging out at about 51 grams. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. Not too bad. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, oh. we could talk breeds all day. <laughs> But what we wanted to talk to Fiona about today and what we're going to talk about uh, for the segment is the difference between chicken keeping in the UK versus chicken keeping in the US. Mm -hmm. Because we know we're all friends, but we want to know if there's any slight differences or major differences on how we take care of the poultry. The first difference that that we were discussing earlier, which really struck me, was... You don't do one-day-old chicks in the UK. No, it's very rare. You can. There are one or two pet stores, but not many, who will sell them. But it is very, very rare. Most people go for point-of-lay hens. That Uh has always been the standard. If you're going to have backyard poultry of any type at all, it's a point-of-lay. Now, over the years, it's become a little bit harder to get hold of point of lay. And as chickens become more and more popular, there's a rise in people wanting to hatch. But hatcheries don't sell day-old chicks. It's amazing because over here, it's it's chick fever. Number one, the day-old chick is the way everybody wants Mm -hmm. to go. And both of us have done it also with the day-old chicks. I like getting them at that age so that I can really imprint us into you know them growing up and handling them and handling them and take over like kind of like we're their moms (laughs) but you can get that from hatching and it's kind of a little bit more fun because you actually get to see them come out of the egg oh yeah that I definitely agree with that so and there's so many hatcheries over here I think we're seeing more people hatching here they're using incubators Yes. I've yep. seen a lot of that lately, which is why, again, the Broody Hen series will be so interesting. I can't wait. I've done it both ways. I've gotten chicks, and I've also gotten pullets on point of lay. Okay. My Swedish flowers I got as pullets. There yeah. are pros and cons to it, but I think there were some really good things about that, integrating them into the flock right away rather mm-hmm. than you know having to go through the whole brooder process. Right, right? Yeah. Have you seen an increase? I'm guessing the answer to this is yes. An increase in people getting chickens because of the COVID lockdown? Absolutely. I mean, it's been rising anyway. I think there was a survey done in early 2020, which was carried out by Chicken Guard, who make auto openers and closers. And they found that there were over a million households at that point with chickens. Wow. We had, as soon as lockdown happened, we had uh, probably four or five inquiries a week about whether we could sell them chickens. Now, because we use broody hens, we only have chickens for sale during August and September normally. Mm-hmm. That's that's all because we let the natural cycle of the chickens right, uh, take right. effect. Yeah. But we were getting four or five inquiries all the time. Wow. Oh, and sure. we had, as soon as we said we didn't have chickens for sale, they would immediately inquire about fertilized eggs. Oh, yes. Okay. 
Definitely. And I'm still getting a lot of inquiries now about fertilized eggs. And actually, I just posted some off this morning. Wow. I know both Holly Ann and I had to get new coops last spring here. And we both go to the same place to get our coops. And you can get coops anywhere because of all the new chicken buzz of new, you know, chicken parents. So the prices here have gone through the roof. I have one coop, which I bought as a brood coop. So it's a meter by meter and a half with a two meter run on it. And it's purely for a broody hen to be in. So she's got peace and quiet to sit on her eggs without being annoyed by the rest of the flock. Right. And I bought that. I think I paid about 150 pounds. So it's quite, you know, it's a cheap coop. It, right. it wasn't expensive. Mm-hmm. Those coops are now selling for just under 400 pounds. I know. Wow. It's wow. the property of supply and demand. Absolutely. Things are going up and then you can't find what you need. So we ended up getting the last two coops <laughs> yeah. on the lot. On the lot, right. Not knowing wow. that I was there, she called at the same time and bought while I was buying. It was a funny story. I'm literally on the phone with the company and I hung up the phone and I turned to my husband. I said, there was someone there that sounded just like Chrissy. I kept hearing this voice over and over. And then, I don't know, five minutes later, she calls and says, were you just on the phone with Penn Dutch buying a coupe? Yeah. So I was in there and the man hung up the phone and I looked directly at him and I said, any chance, was that person named Holly that you were talking to? (laughs) And he was so amazed. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. No, we were, they always think we're crazy. We're <laughs> that was, he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, that's my best friend. Yeah. And we bought a coop and then they got delivered on the same day. So our coops were on the truck together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you see, what you should have said is don't sell to her. <laughs> Never sell to her. Don't deal with that woman. That would have been funnier. That was literally the last coop. I would have chased her to the middle of nowhere <laughs> if she had done that to me. <laughs> So yeah, popularity from COVID. So it's the same across the board. Okay. Everyone. And then there's worries with newer people. We just want to make sure that people are in it for the long haul and know what it takes to take care of chickens. It's a lot of work. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stories over here about chickens being abandoned. And we have an animal charity, the RSPCA, which is the Royal Society of protection uh prevention of cruelty to animals and i was actually hearing the other day a report that they're seeing a lot of chickens actually being dumped at their centers i don't know how true that is but somebody was saying that to me on social media the other day the same thing is happening here so we're seeing a lot of actually good people also we are yes. across the board that are getting into chickens which is good you know in that yeah. end of it so actually i have heard there's a there's a lady that i talked to an awful lot and she's a professional educator with chickens in schools we do a series called chicken chatter together which is a charitable broadcast and they have somebody on to talk about a subject and people just pay three pounds and it all goes to charity now she was telling me that not long ago she had a number of cockerels just dumped in her outside hedge because whoever had them obviously knows that she has chickens professionally and we're seeing a lot of that it's good for people to know like do your research first so that you're not put in that situation down the road and chickens are fun they are farm animals, but they also are a lot of work, you know? So it's just, you yes. got to be all in. You got to be all in and not leave them on somebody's doorstep. That's not cool. Did you know, know, I was asked yesterday, what would I have wanted to have been told before I got chickens for the very first time? And my immediate answer was, how much poop a little body can actually produce? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, where does all of that poop come from? Really? A lot. It's a lot. It really it's is. A lot. I'm wondering if Buff Orpingtons are as insanely popular in the UK as they are in the US. It's interesting because there are three types of popularity at the moment. The biggest growing trend seems to be in rehoming commercial birds. If people feel that they're doing something good for those hens. The other trend is hybrid egg layers as point of lays and just crossbreeds to get as many eggs as you possibly can out of the chickens that you've got. Mm-hmm. And the final one is pure breed chickens of which Orpington seem to be top of the tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are here too. Mm-hmm. And over here, they're known as basically the golden retriever of the chicken world, which the golden retriever, you know, is like the biggest lap dog. Yeah. Ever. So they're kind of known as the big cuddly family chicken, which they are definitely for sure. But they are so popular. So, so they popular. really are. I mean, to be fair, I could sell our hens probably 10 times over at the moment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're gorgeous. They really are beautiful chickens. I mean, and my husband keeps telling me we're not charging enough, but I'm yeah. comfortable with the value that we we ask people to pay for them. Okay. The hens themselves, the, their body shape is classic hen. So it's just gorgeous. And then you put the colors on top, the, the gorgeous buff. And then I have the lavenders, which in the US, the lavenders are big. Are they big over there also in the UK? Not as much. Not as much. The buff Orpingtons, obviously, because I, I think a lot of people get them as pets for their children. Okay. So big yellow chickens are so popular because obviously all the children's books, you see big yellow chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're buying for children, the lavenders aren't quite a, as popular. If you're going for that colouring, a lot of people go for bluebells instead. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, they're beautiful too. Now, our lavenders are just as big, but just even as friendly as the buffs. They they really are. But I kind of went first for the coloring of the chicken and for the buffs. So definitely. Now, the other thing we wanted to put a little spotlight on is your predators in the UK are a little bit different than over here. Yes, they are. Yeah. We deal with hawks when you said you do not. No, we have buzzards, but they tend to go for uh, carrion. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to go for live birds. Exactly. The biggest risk we have actually from from the air are crows with the chicks. Oh, okay. So we will have we will have crows going after the young chicks. The good news for us is that the Orpingtons are so big they think twice about it. Oh yeah. But we did have a little cream leg bar and she was very little who oh. decided to go broody and we did give her some eggs to sit on and she successfully hatched five out of six Orpington eggs. Oh wow. Now the crows were quite interested in her chicks. So that was interesting. But because she's running together with the Orpingtons, she was, thank God, she was okay and the chicks were okay. But no, we don't have hawks coming down. The biggest aerial predator we've got that's successful at killing things are actually sparrowhawks, and they're going for the sparrows that live in the hedge line alongside the chickens. Oh, okay, okay. Now, we have all kinds of varieties of hawks, eagles. It's sort of endless, our aerial predators. So you don't have problems like we do with snakes getting in the nest boxes and eating the eggs. Well, we've only got a few native snakes over here, and none of them really are, uh, well, we've got one that's venomous. 
um, and that's an adder. But uh-huh. to be honest, they are really quite terrified of something the size of the chicken. So uh-huh. we don't see them. We have seen grass snakes mm-hmm. in our area, but again, never anywhere near the chicken enclosure. Yeah, in this area, black rat snakes, which we want around because they're great at taking deal- care of mice and naturally rodents. dealing with your rodent problem. Right. But more than one time, I have opened the nest box door and there's been a lady curled up in there with eggs in her mouth. I haven't seen that, thank you're God. Because li- you're not, probably not as heavily wooded as I am. Yeah. So, so yeah. I have not come across that because I would have screamed. Well, that's what Pete's for. He's not afraid of snakes. You would have heard me screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been bad. But we do have raccoons, boxes. Boxes are bad at my house. Really, really bad. Boxes and, are a problem here as well. And the hawks are really bad. Mm-hmm. Coyote, yeah, we've had coyotes in our neighborhood too, which is scary. Foxes, badgers, and rats are our biggest issues here in the UK. Okay. Rats, will, we will have the rats around here, but I find that the coyotes and the foxes will take care of the rats. Yeah, Keep them away from your chicken. <laughs> They're fairly beneficial to have around. Yeah, definitely. So we're also wondering a little bit about avian vets. So in the U.S., like on either coast in the U.S., you can find veterinarians. They're often your large animal vet, but we're finding that small animal vets are starting to concentrate more on chickens as they become more popular. The middle of the U.S., though, I feel like there's just a big dearth of good avian vets. What are you finding in the U.K.? We've got the same issue here. Because of the growth in backyard chicken keeping, most of the owners will take their chickens to see a small animal vet if they've got a problem. I do hear a lot of stories from people who basically feel that they've just been given antibiotics and they don't really know what is actually being treated for. It's not something which the vets seem to have a huge amount of knowledge about. And I think the growth in backyard chicken keeping has outstripped the knowledge base of the vets because they have all been trained for small animals in guinea pigs, hamsters, cats, dogs. Now, what's interesting is that we've actually got, I think the the last statistics I saw was five times as many chickens as pets as we have hamsters. Wow. But if you take a hamster to a vet, because it's a mammal, they know what to do. Right. If you take a chicken to a vet, there don't get me wrong, there are some very, very good vets out there that know exactly what to do. Sure. But I think because traditionally chickens have been incredibly cheap to buy Mm -hmm. and they have been treated more as uh, livestock traditionally and not as well-beloved pets, there hasn't been the same kind of knowledge or research by vets into chickens Mm -hmm. to be able to help where there's problems. Hallie and I were talking about this subject the other day. We were hoping that in vet school right now that chicken medicine was being taught more and learned more about since it's on the uprise. And I think it absolutely is. And the vets are really starting to uh, take a, a lot more of an interest and they're starting to, to build up their knowledge base. We do have a number actually on social media who are putting out there and, you know, passing on knowledge, sometimes assisting people when they've got issues over social media as well. Right, which is really nice. But yeah, in the old school veterinary population, it's still a little bit of a black hole in a number of practices, unfortunately. Okay. 
And lastly, what we wanted to talk to you about, are there differences in feeding? Oyster shell given at free choice, different types of feed, levels of protein, and treats. Yes. Are they the same or kind of a little on different lines? We have some legal requirements here in the UK, which are a little bit different to the US. In general, the feedstuffs are exactly the same. Do you know about the BSE CJD scandal back in the, I think it was the 90s? No. Well, this was where it was called mad cow disease. So you may have heard that term. Yes. 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 Spongy form encephalitis, I think it was. So the the cows were infected because they were fed food which was made from ground up leftovers from sheep who were infected with a disease called scrapie. That then created BSC in the cows, which made them basically they had a degenerative brain disease. Yeah. And that then, when their beef was eaten, caused a Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, CJD, in humans. Mm-hmm. So as a result, the government basically cracks down on anything with what's called animal byproducts. So you'll see in the UK on a lot of things, ABP. And that's animal byproducts. So you're not allowed to feed anything with an animal byproduct to your chickens. So that means unless you're vegan, you can't feed them any leftovers from the kitchen. Okay. Because it could have been contaminated by dairy or meat products from the kitchen. Does that include eggs? They're like feeding back eggs or eggshells? Eggs and eggshell, to be able to feed those or any animal byproducts, you have to be a registered feed production plant. There are a list where to be registered, you can feed, but that's a big deal and you would need to be probably large scale. And then there's another list where you have to be authorized to feed those back. Wow. Wow. It's yeah, it's it's that a big deal. Different. They they took it very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Now that has some other implications. For example, it's illegal to set to feed mealworms to your chickens because really? the majority of mealworms are actually fed on catering waste. Oh, okay. Most come from China. Now, if you can find some which are listed as being fed on just vegetation, not passed through a kitchen of any kind or a catering unit of any kind, you can feed those mealworms. But every single packet of mealworms that I've seen here in the UK has come basically from China or Mm -hmm. from somewhere which isn't down as not using catering waste. Does the same thing apply for the black soldier fly larvae that are so popular over here right now? Well, they'll be fed in the same way. So they will be fed mainly on catering waste. So Mm -hmm. you can't do any of that. And the interesting thing is not that many UK people are aware of that rule. And I do have to DM a number of people on social media now and again and say, don't make a big deal. Right. But did you know? Yeah. So your feed probably contains all different kinds of grains, is my guess. Oats and barley and different things like that. Well, in the main, we use layers pellets or growers pellets, or actually we use a micro pellet for the chicks. We don't tend to use chick crumb because it's very messy. We use a tiny, tiny little micro pellet, about the same size as a quail pellet. Okay. Now that's because there is so much science that's gone into formulating these pellets. Why would I second guess the science? Yeah, exactly. 
Now, having said that, I do give some supplementary feeds and that's partly to keep them interested, mm-hmm. partly to help them with their heat when it's incredibly cold. Right. So I do give them maize kibble when it's very, very cold. Okay. Now today, because it's warmed up, they've had a little bit of whole wheat, but I only give them a tiny bit to each right. night. Right. Now, what I tend to do to give them a treat in the morning is I give them a hot mash, but it's actually made by adding hot water to their layers pellets. But they still think it's something different. Right? <laughs> They're like, this is yummy. I'm going to eat this. It's a different They go crazy for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's warm. It's good. I found that works very well. I had, they were shipped from a hatchery. It was my Brahma's. One of them had coccidiosis outbreak and you know, just trying to get her to start eating. An old time chicken keeper just said, make her food into a hot mash and add the cord to that. And she gobbled it right down. So anytime anyone's under the weather, hot mash it is and they love it. Yeah, they love it. It works. Yeah. Okay, we're going to ask you the $10,000 question, Fiona. Do you feed oats or oatmeal to your chickens? I have done, but I've been using the pellets as a mash instead at the moment. But there's no reason not to. Those cereal crop and cereals make up the, the basis of your pellets. Yeah, big thing over here to give at night before they go to bed as a warm treat. Once they've had their food all day, they've kind of absorbed those nutrients, then it just kind of warms them up. So we kind of do it at Another night. Another carbohydrate. Yeah, I mean, any cereal, not cereal as in packet cereal, but, you know, uh, any cereal grains. Absolutely, to my mind, that's the perfect treat for them. It is the basic ingredient for all of their pelleted food anyway. And it's their natural biggest food source that they would be trying to find to feed themselves with anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This has been absolutely fantastic. As always. It has been fun. As always. Now for later, we'll love to have to actually be able to come across the pond ourselves. But for now. She is angling for a visit, isn't she? (laughs) She really wants to come and visit. You are both very welcome. (laughs) Thank you. We'll be there. We're getting on the next flight. (laughs) You won't be allowed in at the moment. We're in lockdown. (laughs) You're like, you're not getting in here. It's for the best because I think I try to smuggle some old English pheasant fowl home. I know. I'd be wanting to bring some chickens home so with me to pretty. be like, I'm sorry, you can't bring them. No. Well, do you know what? I think the cheesy chicks may have to go. <gasps> no. Oh. I think I'm probably going to have to sell them. Oh, no. They have to go together, though. The cheese uh, Yeah, they, they will go as a trio. They will absolutely go as a trio. And I may actually see if the people who bought their their siblings in the same hatch, oh, nice. see whether they'll take them. So they because their, their eggs are, although they're a little bit smaller, they're very similar in colour to the Orpingtons. And once okay. they're back in the field together, it's going to be a problem. So I don't want to do that. I'd rather they free range somewhere where that's not going to be an issue yeah that makes sense yeah bye fiona waving from across the pond thank you bye bye Bye. okay so we just want to give fiona another big thank you that conversation is was so awesome it opened your mind to many different things oh yeah it's a little bit of a different way to think about some things which is never a bad thing when you're working with animals yeah when you're working with animals 
every different thought process, a new idea is yeah. always welcome, mm-hmm. you know? Different so perspective, exactly. Definitely. So thank you, Fiona. Once again, if you want to check out her YouTube channel, it is English Country Life. And you can find her on Twitter and Instagram as the Floof Lady. Yes, you can. All right. We'll talk to Fiona again next week. Okay. So now. Cracking the eggs. Cracking these e- eggs. Damn, girl. <laughs> I better have something special to follow that. And this is a bit of my heritage kind of coming out. Right? Pasta. I gotta tell you, I love Italian food. Italian food is the bomb. It's like Italians are the bomb. That's why my wedding was Italian food. (laughs) I love Italian food. So, pasta carbonara. Yeah. And pasta carbonara is interesting to me because authentic pasta carbonara does not contain cream. It is dairy-free completely. And a lot of people will mistake in sometimes eggs for dairy, and they're not. So carbonara is a classic Italian dish. It uses raw eggs and then cooks them using the heat of the freshly cooked pasta. Correct. And again, authentic carbonara does not contain cream, so it's safe for the dairy-free crowd. You can use dairy-free cheese. And if you use gluten-free pasta, you've covered the entire spectrum of the celiac crowd. And then on my side, you can use everything. You can use the yummy real pasta and the yummy real cheese. <laughs> you know, I, you I, can I, use it both ways. I will tell you, I, the gluten-free pasta tastes just as good as regular pasta It tastes to the same to me. But nothing is a substitute for real cheese. We've been there. And yeah. let's just say... Because we're always, we, we record at the DiCarlo Farms. So I go out and buy Miss Holly Ann some stuff. I did buy you shredded cheese. And you're like, it's still just it's, the same. It's good, but it's not cheese. The vegan cheese. It is really good. I mean, I would rather have it than not. Yeah. But I was kind of a cheese hound. Oh, which reminds me. Yeah. I did not tell you this. I bought you a loaf of gluten-free bread today. Woo. <laughs> Thank the you. Freezer. Yeah. <laughs> so we can have avocado toast all the time too now Oh, delicious so definitely you can make this both ways which is great right so if you can't have gluten or dairy you can still enjoy it and if you can have both then you've got pecorino romano shredded all over your pasta carbonara and it will be amazing even when we eat gluten-free pasta and i put parm on i feel bad like a like oh no i mean it really makes me so sick i don't even want it yeah i do miss it but i i don't even want to eat it so a lot of traditionalists will use pancetta right and actually some of the hardcore traditionalists use something it's another part of the pig and i don't know what and it i is. don't eat pork myself. right so we left pancetta out and we decided to go for some salty meaty shiitake mushrooms yes totally not authentic but really good yeah and they kind of have that texture when you cook them right yeah of meat and yeah they're very things. meaty they're delicious. So aside from sauteing the shiitakes, carbonara is surprisingly easy and quick to make. Right. We use four eggs. And again, a lot of recipes will call for two eggs and then two egg yolks. But we do not play that game. No. We just went with four whole eggs. If you have anyone with immune system issues, even though these are cooked eggs... You still want to use the freshest You may want to use either fresh eggs or even go for pasteurized eggs if you need to. It's Um, anything with eggs cooked that aren't cooked completely. You just want to be careful with anything. Right. These are cooked, but they just become creamy. It's a very low heat cooking. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So the recipes in our show notes, again, it's surprising how quick and easy and how amazingly delicious it really is. And once again, it's a way to use the eggs and dinner and make it different. Yeah. 
And it's not just the same pasta on a Wednesday night. You can make this on a Wednesday night and it's different and your family will love a little bit of variety. I love this with a side of roasted broccoli or some other green vegetable. You put broccoli, cauliflower, a mixture. When I was developing this recipe, I did a lot of reading. And apparently a lot of the modern chefs are violently opposed to not only the inclusion of cream in the carbonara, okay. but peas. Ooh. No peas. I would like peas in there. Okay, so born and raised Italian girl here. Yeah. We had peas every time with pasta. Right? I love them in pasta. My mother served pasta and peas every time together. Wait, my mother did the same thing. My mother's Irish and Alsatian. Pasta, peas, and hard-boiled eggs. Same exact in my house. That's funny. So I don't know if it has something to do with the times, but The my city mom, that we, they grew up in? I don't yeah, know. so peas are what went with our pasta night. It's really good. And actually, when you mix it in, it's good. It is good. <laughs> so I'm sorry, super chefs. We might put peas in our carbonara. Yeah, it's an extra higher thing of protein. A little bit of protein, so we're chlorophyll. Exactly. It's good for you. Peas are good for your chickens, and they're good for you. I was thinking the same thing. It is really windy out it there really today. It is. That's crazy. This is like the one thing. It's getting a little closer time to the babies going in. And today, I felt so bad for them. Yeah. The wind, it's been warm and cold, warm and cold, typical springtime here. It, it's cold today. It's freezing and the wind is horrible. Yeah. So if you hear something, it might be the wind in the background there. So time to move on to one of my favorite segments. Retail therapy. Woo! There you go. Yeah. Holly Ann is coming in on the singing. I'm the feeling segments. it today. You feeling are. it today, girl. You are. And this one we have been feeling and we have been putting some love on Instagram for this company because we really like them. Talk about a fantastic product. You know what? I want to talk about how fantastic this product is, but also I want to talk and give a shout out to whoever marketed this bag. The bag is fantastic. Because this bag almost kind of makes this product a little bit, I mean, it makes it. It hit all my happy buttons. The bag is owned by a company called Power by Coffee. And it is a coop bedding. It's an animal bedding. And it's made by a roasting brew house in Indiana. And they had a bunch of coffee grounds that they're like, what the heck do you do with these? And we don't, we want to recycle. So basically they've come up with bedding for livestock. Yeah. And again, the bag, it's like brown craft paper and a really old fashioned woodcut chicken illustration. Oh my goodness. I would almost want to frame this bag and hang it in my kitchen. And I'm not kidding. The uh, exactly. That's what I I'm saying. It. A lot of things in marketing are eye-pleasing first. Right. And this company hit the nail on the yes. head with this bag. Absolutely. Because when you look at it, you instantly think it's a bag of coffee. It kind of is, but with a chicken on it. Exactly. you know it's going to make us happy. Exactly. And then you get close enough to the bag and to you smell, smell it. it. And it's 35 pounds of recycled coffee grounds. It's, it's genius, really. It's a way for this company to give back in recycling. Right. And we are working with Power by Coffee bedding, and we're using it in our coops, and we love it. Yeah, we really do. So we use it in a couple different ways, which we'll tell you about. Right. So we've had some people reach out to us and ask us about the smell. Uh-huh. And so I've been paying close attention to it. It's not overpowering at no. all. And the chickens do not seem to be bothered by it no. whatsoever. You open up the coop door and it smells like a cup of coffee. Yeah, it smells delicious. It really doesn't seem to bother them. I put it in the bachelor rooster coop. Right. And Katsumoto got right in and looked all around and it didn't bother him. I haven't noticed sneezing. No problem at all. Right. The only thing that we noticed is if you have larger chickens, uh-huh. you may need to put more of it in because, and if you have a higher roosting bar, we just make you aware that 
if your chickens are used to more cushion coming down, right. you're going to have to add more. So I opted to put this in my bachelor rooster flock because it's like half the size of a regular coop. The recommendation was one and a half to one inch. I probably made it closer to two inches. And are they having any trouble? No, they're having no trouble at all. Okay, they jump down with no trouble. And we figure that this stuff lasts such a long time that the cost of buying extra to sort of double pad your coop will be offset by the fact that you don't need to buy as much. What we do is take a cat litter coop. Yes. And scoop out every day and just kind of put it on your run floor. That will last you longer than if you have a bedding. I'm going to see exactly how long it lasts with the roosters and report back. It's been there a week now. I was also worried that it's it's dark. You know, it's coffee grounds and that the droppings wouldn't show up. But you can see them easily enough that you can just scoop it right out with a strainer. Exactly. It and works well. All in all, we love this product. Yes. It really is practically dust-free. It is dust. I have not seen any dust in it. Neither have I. And so if you have a chicken that maybe sneezes or seems to have a little bit of a dust problem with right. traditional shavings, give it a try. Right. And the other thing to think about, which I, you know, just to go back to the scent of it, is when you use traditional pine shavings, uh-huh. they have a very strong scent to them also. Right. So... It's just a question of a different scent, not well, versus... Well, really, even the hardwood shavings that I use, it's a very pleasant smell, but there's definitely a smell to hey, that. Hey, I told you a million times, my pine shavings, I love that smell. Right, right. It's like, it smells so good. And who doesn't love a cup of coffee smell? Uh, I should confess that I maybe drove around for a week with this in the back of my car <laughs> because it smelled so good, I didn't want to take it out. Yeah, the other thing is that coffee can be naturally a repellent for insects. Right, So true. that smell itself could yeah. be enough, like when it gets warmer... We'll see how it goes to keep flies away a little bit more. Yeah, that will be like an that. interesting project to see if it keeps some of the but bugs away. But all in all, we give this an A-plus product. Absolutely. It's, it's great. So there's two places where you can get this product. Uh-huh. Number one is a tractor supply. Yeah. Powered by Coffee is very excited to have it in tractor supply uh-huh. starting February of this year. And the other thing is you can go right to their website and order it and order it and have it shipped to you from there. Perfect. So if you don't have a tractor supply or, you know, you can't they're not carrying or they're it. out, yeah. you can try their website and just get it delivered to you. Yeah. We love it. And give it a try. See if it works for you. Something new is... You could probably even ease into it. You could half and half it with your pine shavings right. and ease into it. Even if you're a little worried about bigger girls jumping, you could add a little extra of the coffee grounds or add some pine shavings with it. Layer it a little it. bit, yeah. Layer it a little bit. But all in all, A-plus product. Yeah, eco-friendly, amazing smell, low dust. The chickens seem to do well it's on green, it. Clean it's green, clean earth. I yeah. mean, trying to recycle, that is the main key. We're really impressed with this. I mean, we keep talking about it because we're really impressed. We think it's genius. And if you want to check out the bag, check their website or our Instagram page. We have pictures of the bag. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's powered by coffee. Yes. Check them out. All right. So... I think that's kind of all we have time for today. What are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, we have our special Easter episode. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about this episode because who doesn't love Easter, Easter. stuff? Yeah, it's going to be real, again, fun and lighthearted. It's all Easter themed and again, super fun. Can't wait. So until next time, everybody. Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring you even more high-quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.